Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Politics without the soap opera. With unfiltered constitutional conservative truth. The Conservative Review with Daniel Horowitz. And welcome back, fellow American patriots and Minutemen standing at the ready to fight anew for our life, our liberty, our property, and all that is on the line here at CR Podcast. This is your host, Daniel Horowitz, back here today for Monday, September 18th. And boy, was this a doozy of a weekend. So I unplugged the entire weekend and... There is just so much news on every front, the political front, campaign front, uh, the border invasion, which we're going to get to, is is just biblical in, in its levels. You have this intra-conservative Freedom Caucus fight on what to do with the budget and what sort of strategy. So, uh, you know, we planned a special show today on a border briefing, which is certainly one of the issues, but we have this challenge. We don't even know which issue to focus on first. And then, you know, over the weekend, you wake up to, uh, you know, I was out, and so we got allegations that Christy Nome committed adultery for years. We got Megyn Kelly asking Trump about transgenderism. Could a man become a woman? And he's like, um, uh, I don't know. Uh. And then we have Lauren Boebert getting caught vaping and groping her boyfriend in and, and public Uh, And it turns out this boyfriend is like a Democrat who owns a bar that's friendly to gay stuff. You know, then you have Trump at FRC action uh, saying that he's beating Obama in the polls and that we might have World War Two. And then Trump says that, uh, you know, a heartbeat bill, even in a red state, is a terrible thing and really shows he doesn't even want a 15 week ban federally. Then Kevin McCarthy endorses. Trump, and obviously this is on top of the week with Trump uh, pimping the vaccine, say, saying they save millions. So uh, don't don't be on my case if I can't get to all that. We'll touch on a lot of that tomorrow and the day after. Um, but I did want to first start off with, with the border and its context in this budget fight. So a lot of people are asking me, Daniel Chip Roy put put this bill out, this idea, but then most of the Freedom Caucus members we're seeing uh, don't like it. What's the story? So I just want to give you a little bit of that and more. Um, as always, there's just so much to go over and, and too few leaders that are willing to guide us. So we'll have to take it from there. If you do enjoy this show, please give us a five-star rating on iTunes. But first, I want to introduce a new sponsor today, Noro Hacker. Believe it or not, you are old and worn out, not you, but yourselves. Uh, If you get to be around my age, you know, upper 30s, especially into your 40s, you'll just find that you don't have as much energy. Uh, You tend to accumulate more body aches that don't uh, go away, slow to recover. I'll I'll often have a lot of days where I, I feel like I even got enough sleep, but I just, I can't function. I'm just tired all day or very weak. There's a lot of products on the market, but there's um, something I want to introduce to you 
Qualia Synolotic. Synolotics are new are these molecules that they're working on. There's a lot of different research on online, but Neurohacker has a product today, our sponsor, where they pack seven of the most science-backed synolytic ingredients into one formula. Okay, again, call this qualia synolytic. And the thing about it is you could take it, a lot of this stuff you have to take every day or you know, every time you work out because you, too weak to even lift up a barbell. This, it works just two days a month, okay? And then you could see fast, noticeable benefits uh, for really a much better aging process. It's non-GMO, gluten-free. The ingredients are meant to complement one another, um, factoring the combined effect of all the ingredients together. And the thing is, they have a 100-day money-back guarantee. A lot of times they offer 30 here, NeuroHacker gives you 100 days, so you have almost three full months to try um, this Qualia Synolytic um, at no financial risk. So this is something that I'm starting this week. If you're in your late 20s and certainly older, you know, you're just not as energetic as you used to be, adding Qualia Synolytic to your diet can play a crucial role in combating negative aging symptoms. So where do you go? Go to neurohacker.com slash conservative for up to 50% off your Qualia Synolytic. Uh, and as a listener of CR Podcast, use code conservative at checkout for 15% off your first purchase particular. So again, it's neurohacker.com slash conservative, promo code con- conservative, N-E-U-R-O, hacker.com slash conservative, and try offer code conservative to start today. Um, and and folks, it is something. I'll let you know what I go through. But yeah, I am tired every day. And frankly, I'm tired of all the garbage we have to deal with. And one of them is I saw this battle coming. I saw the fact that we have a problem. Basically, this administration has forthright policies on everything we care about. We could talk about the border, we could talk about green energy, the inflation, the cultural grooming, the military, Ukraine, the Green New Deal, the vaccines, biomedical security state, the tranny stuff, all of it. So the problem is you come to a budget and this is where you could redress this. I said that they should have boycotted the August recess, come back in session, and pass each appropriation bill where you could focus on each of these problems, defund every aspect of government we don't like. We would come to the September 30th deadline with that political capital that you showed you were serious about governing while Democrats and Biden were you know, partying on vacation all, all summer. You actually did your work, and we're going to stand behind it. Unfortunately, they didn't do it. And frankly... Most of the Freedom Caucus guys that are being very hardline, not wanting to pass anything, did not call for that either. So I knew this would happen, that here we are, we're back a few weeks before, and there's no consensus of what you want to do. There's consensus we don't like the status quo, which we shouldn't, but what is it you're going to unify behind? And also, you do have to remember that we do have... The rhinos. We do have leadership and then this entire Main Street caucus, which has like 50 members, and they're to the left of even leadership. 
So it's not so simple. Um, you know, it's it's easy for a member to say, I will never vote for anything about government I don't like if it's in a budget bill. And you could do that, and, and I respect that. But ultimately, you have to judge what is the outcome you're seeking. And to me, the outcome we're seeking is, ideally, to have the most unified, most defensible position that we will not farm fund inflation and harmful aspects of government. And you're going to have to have a shutdown for a certain period of time. There's no question. And then, then what that does is it buys you time to start passing each of the individual bills with each of our provisions. And, and we'll, we'll, we'll keep doing that as long as we can. That, in other words, the goal is to have a shutdown fight but also, you want the best messaging because ultimately, what's the, what's the goal? Okay, so we want our bill. The Democrats want theirs. You have a shutdown. Who wins? The way you win is with public opinion, ultimately. And this is beyond the scope of today's show, but I have talked a lot about I think red states could often help. Like, for example, with the border stuff, if red states start deporting illegals, which is something we need to start doing, um, so you, you, you raise awareness that, okay, well – the Dems want this, the Republicans want this, but states are already moving in the direction of where we want to head, and that breaks the logjam. So we head into this fight, and the thing is, the House needs to pass something to show, hey, this is our position. Now, you might be, well, Daniel, I don't care. Just let it all fall, fall apart and the government shut down. So I'm all for that. I don't care if it ultimately shuts down, but A, you want to go in with a better messaging. Well, what are you having the fight over. That's number one. And number two is my concern is if it comes to that, we won't have a shutdown fight. Because if you don't, if 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 our side is like nothing is good, so then McCarthy and all those rhinos, they're just going to go with the Democrats and do what they want. There's too few of us. We do have to remember that point. So to that end, Chip Roy, um, Scott Perry, who is the chairman of the Freedom Caucus, Byron Donalds was involved, a couple other Freedom Caucus members, they went to the Main Street Caucus guys, the Rhino Caucus, and they said, look, what is it we can agree on that as Republicans, you know, we shouldn't be funding? So what they did is they figured we will hang our hat as the lead messaging on the border. And I, I agree with that. Doesn't mean it's the number one issue, although after today's briefing, you'll wonder that. But certainly, as a government, it is indefensible for a government to invade its own people. It's something the people already understand. It's it's a very good issue to have this to lead the fight all, all, all over. And then, so 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 they're like, look, the the bottom line is. The best position to say, we passed all 12 appropriation bills. We went through the government with a fine-tooth comb. This is what we're going to fund. This is what we're not going to fund. Take it or leave it. But they haven't passed any of those bills, or 11 out of, out of the 12. So they don't have that leverage. So you have to pass something. Now, to pass a so-called clean CR, even for a day past the deadline, you're showing you're caving. So their idea was, we'll pass a 30-day CR with defunding catch and release and other border stuff, defunding trainee surgeries, there's a few things in it, and it cuts, it, it gives an 8% cut to spending levels, excluding military and veterans. 
Okay, does it have everything we want? No. But are you giving them a clean CR? No. Will Democrats ever agree to that up front without a shutdown? No. So my understanding without talking to Chip of his plan was a two-stage thing. You have to get us to the dance. You have to get us to the ball. You have to get us to a shutdown fight. Okay? So it's only... so. Now, I think they didn't realize most of the Freedom Caucus members is now 15 on record. Yeah, you know, Matt Gaze, Marjorie Taylor Greene, and, 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 and Miller, and all these people are saying, that's horrible. And, and, you know, big example is it doesn't defund the weaponization, the prosecutions, things like that. Now, I agree, but, but the point is, this is not saying that this is our permanent bill. This is, so you buys us another 30 days... And then you pass the DOJ appropriation bill. You have time to unify and you defund things like that for after 30 days. Well, I don't even want to fund it for another 30 days. Well, you are slashing spending by 8% for those 30 days and you're defunding catch and release at the border. So, well, they're like, well, I don't like that. The problem with that way of thinking is that I could, and I know it's funny that I'm the one sounding not so hard line, but I will argue that my position is the hard line position. I could then turn around to Matt Gates and say, okay, well, even if you throw in the defunding the DOJ persecutions, well, you're still funding the vaccines. You know what I mean? There's a million things we don't want. So you, at some point, you have to be prudent. What is your best messaging? Now, there's one thing to say, look, I have a certain critical mass of items and not enough items are in there. That's fine. But you, at some point, you do need to have a way of getting there. Moreover, this will buy us time to pass the appropriation bills where eventually the goal is come, let's say, November 1st, we will say we will not fund anything unless you pass our appropriation bills. And that's fine. And I think that's where we need to get. I mean, you might be like, Daniel, you know what? I don't care about all this theater. McCarthy's going to screw us anyway. I'm just not voting for anything. Okay, but then, but then what's the goal? Because my concern is if you, if you tell McCarthy that nothing is good enough, the problem you'll have is then he's just going to go with the Democrats. Well, we need to get rid of McCarthy. Fine, so get rid of him. You see what I'm saying? But passing Chip's bill doesn't get you closer to caving. My, my concern is that if they're going to continue this position, then it strengthens McCarthy's hand and all the rhinos will just work with the Democrats and they'll cut us out. We just don't have the numbers. Now, this is not take it or leave it. If they want to throw a couple more things in this bill and pass it by the end of the week, I, 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 who am I to say don't put that in? Put it in. That's fine. Put more in there. It's just you do need to have something to unify behind to buy us time to pass the appropriation bills because like a bunch of idiots, frankly, even most of those hardliners did not call to come back during the recess. So this is where we are. I saw this coming a mile away. But I do agree with Chip that you need something. You can't go to the American people with 10 things. Now, we need to buy time to have a shutdown fight initially and then buy time to pass appropriation bills where we will quietly deal with all of our issues. But your messaging needs to be one thing. And I do agree with him that the severity of the illegal immigration issue and it's not even illegal immigration at this point. It's straight up an invasion. 
that is probably the lead issue you should use. Look, I would argue the gen- COVID genocide, but I don't think it's as understood as the border. So some of this has to be prudence and messaging and strategy. You will have reasonable good people disagree on that, by the way. So, you know, just, just recognize that. So I want to get into the importance of the messaging on the border and what's going on and then get to our special guest. But first, our other sponsor today, our friends at QP Goat Soap. This is Quinn Pittman, QP, our 16-year-old entrepreneur who makes authentic soap out of goat milk. Um, I don't know if you guys saw this. We had an article up at The Blaze. Dove now has – so they, they, they've been promoting BLM forever. They have this obese BLM model that hates white people. That's now their model for soap. So mark this off as yet another very important must-have product where we now have a parallel economy. You could support one of our very own Blaze TV family, Florida homeschooling, Christian homeschooling family. And also, you know, a lot of the the products, I mean, Dove is the equivalent for soap of processed food. It's pro-inflammatory. It's not good on your skin. Whatever goes on your skin gets into your body. Uh, QP Goat Soap has all natural uh, ingredients. QPGoatSoap.com. Uh, promo code Daniel is still available for 10% off all of your orders. Makes a great gift as well. We've given some gifts as well. So QPGoatSoap.com. Promo code Daniel. Stop funding those who hate us. So... Anyway, I just want to say, to me, the messaging is perfect. Why have a government, a national government? This is a point that we need to be making as we approach, hopefully, a shutdown fight. And bookmark this talking point. We have 50 state governments. We have over 3,000 county governments. And according to the U.S. Census, we have over 19,000 municipalities, over 16,000 townships, over 12,000 independent school districts, and more than 37,000 special districts like water authorities, parks districts, other things like that. Sometimes they work for county governments. The point is, all of those will remain open during a federal shutdown. Everything you need, you have. Why have a national government? For very few things. External things, like having a border. If our government is going to invade us with belligerence in the millions, why even have a federal government? That's why I like that messaging. We are now at a point where we have, um, on average, 7,000 illegals a day. And usually the ratio of gotaways is about a third. So one for every three of those. So you're talking about easily... You know, over 2,000 gotaways a day. Just in terms of the apprehensions, that's a pace of 2.5 million a year and gotaways averaging of 850,000 a year. These are really a lot of bad hombres. You cannot sustain a civilization like this. I don't think we have yet emotionally grasped what is happening to our cities. You know, the same way you can go on with life and miss died suddenly for two and a half years. People are missing what's going on in the streets, too. It's not just New York City and not just Yuma. But before we bring on our special guest, I just wanted to note, why are no governors making the argument 
that they shut down human rights of Americans, of Americans, for nothing more than a virus. We said public health, you have no right to breathe, no right to worship, no right to business, property rights. Heck, they even shut down public travel from one state to another. Remember that? I'll never forget when Greg Abbott stationed state troopers on the border of Louisiana, you know, because it was viewed that Louisiana had one of the first outbreaks in New Orleans in March 2020. I mean, folks, this is something that literally, even during the Articles of Confederation, a state couldn't do. You know that? Articles of Confederation, very loose government, um, very loose national arrangement, states controlled everything. But states, the difference between the Articles and the Constitution is um, states controlled interstate commerce. But in terms of, of in, interstate movement, you're an American, you're from one colony to another, even in, artic, in, in, in Article 4 of the founding document, says the people of each state shall have free ingress and regress to and from any other state. The um, Supreme Court said in U.S. v. Guest, 1966, a right so elementary, meaning as interstate travel, was conceived from the beginning to be a necessary um, concomitant of the stronger union the Constitution created. So the Constitution certainly adopted that provision, but I'm telling you it was even there during the Articles of Confederation. Yet somehow we are told that invaders from 150 countries that don't belong here, a state, oh no, it's a federal thing, states can't deport. The public health dangers of them camping out, the tuberculosis and other things they're bringing in, the public safety I mean, have you seen the pictures of what you're seeing both in the encampments, uh, you know, in the interior cities, and then what's happening at our border? It is worse than it has ever been. So I want to explore that with our next guest. But I just wanted to say, to me, I that's why you want to throw in DOJ, you want to throw in other things. God bless you. Get as much as you can. Who am I to say, just accept this bill and not add anything? Add, add to it. But at some point, you have to be willing to unify behind a, an ability to even get us off the ground without having the rhinos just undermine us completely. That's all I'm saying. And I do believe you need some sort of unifying message, and I think the border is the best message. It doesn't mean, oh, Daniel, um, does that mean we're going to fund the vaccines? No. What, what it means is it gives us time to pass the appropriation bills, and then on the second deadline – or if Dems never agree to pass our deadline, which they won't, well, you'll keep passing that, and eventually you'll say, we'll stand behind that. But in terms of messaging, you know, it's the same thing with Trump. What is more popular with the public, to have a shutdown fight over defending Trump or a shutdown fight over the border? I think you know the answer to that. Now, does it mean we shouldn't defund the prosecutions? No, we should. But again, it's what is your top-line messaging? And I can't really think of a better issue, just given the Republicans we have, given their, their talking points, given what people understand and what they don't, than a border fight. But that is the hook to have a shutdown fight really over everything.
So folks, when we have an annualized pace of at least 2.5 million crashing our border, they don't just appear at the border. It's not magic. They come from somewhere. It's orchestrated. Who are these people? What are they about? This would be bad enough if it were just a bunch of impoverished people, but it's a lot more than that. We have, and you're going to hear some background noise here. Uh, this is really cool. you got to love technology. Through Starlink, we have Michael Yan, former Green Beret, famed war journalist. He's reporting from the Darien Gap, um, really right at the border, right at the border from the Darien Gap in Panama, which is the chokehold of where the Venezuelans come from, a lot of other people come from, and he's interviewing them, he's taking pictures. This is stuff Congress should be all over, um, but it's left to him my, at Michael underscore Yon, Y-O-N on Twitter. If nothing else, you got to follow his Twitter account. Michael, are you on the line? Yes, sir. I'm right by the uh, Rio Chucanaca here near Las Blancas camp in uh, Darien province in Panama. And this is where the this is where the aliens actually land as they emerge from the Darien Gap. So around me now here are a lot of Venezuelans and others, which the Venezuelans are trying to beg from me right now, uh, which the Venezuelans beg like nobody else. And um, but most of the rare, very few of the others actually beg. Uh, like out of all the 140 countries that come through here, it's Venezuelans constantly coming up and begging. Uh, but the um, it's interesting. But so here in this camp, we see a lot of Chinese. We see huge numbers of Venezuelans. About three to four thousand a day are coming through right now. Uh, there was a landslide about, about three days ago now, uh, out deep in the jungle, and uh, we're told that about fifty people died in that landslide. I don't know because it's deep in the jungle, and we're told that the flow has been cut for the pack. Now there would still be people coming in that were on this side of the landslide. Uh, and then there will be other people. We're told that the landslide is two to three days. As you leave Colombia and you start to come into Panama, two to three days into the jungle, we're told that's where the landslide happened. There's several mountains they have to pass. One of the mountains is called Montaña de la Muerte, the mountain of death, uh, because so many people die on it every single day. And apparently that's where the landslide was. Uh, but, I mean, this, it's just normal. I mean, these are the sorts of stories. If, if you've been doing this long enough, you'll see that it's just a, like... You'll, you'll hear it today. You'll hear stories like, you know, 20 people drowned yesterday. Five people fell off the mountain. Six people were murdered. I mean, you'll just hear these stories just coming at you like uh, lightning strikes. Yeah. It, it, so right now, uh, the, the first boats are starting to arrive from Bajo Chiquito. Bajo Chiquito is a village where we were at uh, the day before yesterday. Bajo Chiquito is a, a fairly remote village. I've been out there maybe 20 times over the last few years, and Bajo Chiquito is where they actually emerge from when they leave the jungle. Then they get on these piragua boats, uh, of which when we went up there two days ago, 167 boats came in. They hold 15 to 20 people each, and so it's 167. And uh, now the boats have started to arrive today. It's about a three-hour piragua ride from uh, you hear a, a government truck going by right now. And the um, You'll hear Go ahead, sir. So uh, you... I'm trying to figure out who these people are. You're saying they're they're coming from everywhere, obviously, but they're mainly Venezuelans. Right now, now every time you know the old saying, uh, "The same man never crosses the same river twice." That's just, <laughs> that's similar here. The river's always changing, and also the flow of the people. Like for instance, um, 
in 2021, there was a huge number of Cubans and Haitians coming through. Those were the dominant groups. Now, there's always the background noise of the other 140 countries or so, right? Uh, but the, the, it ebbs and flows. Like, for instance, there was a time when Venezuelans peaked for a while and then they went back down. And, and then and then I saw seeing a lot of Colombians. Now I see a few Colombians. It just is constantly changing. Right now, I would say 90% of the people coming through seem to be Venezuelans or maybe 80%. A lot of, I'd say 80%. A lot of, of, of those coming through are Afghans. I'm, I'm meeting Afghans every day, like a lot of Afghans. I interviewed some uh, in Bajo Chiquito and here, actually, at Las Blancas. They're, they're constantly coming through. And uh, all over Africa, from the Sahil, from everywhere. I mean, we're talking Arab Africans and Black Africans and, you know, people from Niger, people from Cameroon and Sudan. I mean, it's just like, it's a who's who. It's a Star Wars cafe. So, so why, uh, why, when you talk to them, what do they say their objective is? Well, the United States is clearing the path, and this flow is increasing. Last month, it was 82,000, right? Why are they coming? There's advertisements in these different countries, for instance, Nepal, to get over here. Well, I was down in Colombia two and a half years ago or so, and in a hotel in, in Colombia, CNN was paying, playing, in the, uh, playing on the big screen in the restaurant, and it was actually showing a map on how to get through the Darien on CNN in Colombia. And uh, so you see... Uh, I mean, they're, they're being, we're basically paying them to come. The United States is. Our flag is in this camp right in front of me. It's not flying up on a flagpole, but it's on multiple sides. And then you'll have the U.S. Embassy down here say, no, we're not helping with anything. They're lying. They're straight up lying. We're straight up helping them. Uh, we're, uh, you know, we're, we're funding this. Mayorkas has come down here twice, Secretary of Homeland Security. I was down here both times that he came. If he came more than that, I wasn't here, but I was here twice when he came. I've waited for him both times, and he came right in front of me the first time in 2022, and he went into San Vicente Camp, which is uh, works with where I was at earlier this morning. Uh, we put huge money, the United States has put huge money into creating these flows to the United States. And I'm telling you, 82,000 came through last month through the Daring Gap, according to the Panamanian government. 82,000, right? I guarantee you, in 2024, it's going to be more than a million in that year. I'm watching the infrastructure being built right in front of me, right? We're... Clearly, the United States is investing in this infrastructure. For instance, right now, the Costa Rican border with Panama is open. Uh, I had uh, contacts there yesterday. In fact, in fact, Oscar Blue was there yesterday, and um, Ben Berkwam and some others were at the were crossed into Costa Rica from Panama and did not have to show any passport. All the migrantes who are going through do not have to show passports now. They're just flowing right into Costa Rica, right? So when uh, Oscar and Ben and my other contact were there yesterday, uh, they came, they came, they went from Panama into Costa Rica, did not show passport, came right back into Panama later that day, did not have to show passport. The border is open. That means with the flows being increased, for instance, yet, uh, two days ago, we were up in the deep in the jungle near Baja Chiquito, a new camp is being built. It might be 13 acres, I don't know, uh, but it's going to be big enough for maybe 13,000 people is what one Indian uh, leader said. We're going to go to a meeting next week in Panama City, and they'll talk more about that. But they just cleared out a huge uh, area of the jungle with machetes. We were there, droned it, and, photo and made video on the ground while they were doing it. Uh, and this is deep in the jungle. So these flows are being – it's becoming – okay, the, first of all, three different things. One is – the camps, okay, the, the, the routes are shorter. The routes through the jungle are shorter, right? 
and easier. They're still extremely dangerous. Like there'll be people dying right now as we speak. Uh, but they're like two and a half years ago, I would say 10% of the people coming through were dying. Like 10%. It was over the top wartime level crazy. Now I would say it's probably maybe, I don't know, 1%, right? It's still a lot, but it's not like it was. And so, which would be dozens of people per day, right? Because there's three or 4,000 coming in at the current instantaneous rate. And so, uh, so, okay, the routes are shorter. The routes are easier, still dangerous, but shorter and easier. And uh, the camps are bigger and the camps are far more efficient. So shorter routes, bigger camps, far more efficient camps. Like for instance, with the way that the system is being developed now, uh, I, I would say within, I don't know, uh, well, now, uh, now or next week or a couple of weeks, you're going to be able to go from this camp right here where we're at straight to the Costa Rican border, right? So you'll come off the boat, get on the bus, and you'll be in Costa Rica within you know, 15 hours, right? So it's, it's very smooth. We're looking at millions of people will be coming through here as this continues to get developed. So who uh, built this conveyor this belt? Who, who built the conveyor belt if the Panamanian government doesn't like it? Well, it's we see the Texas syndrome going on here. You know, I'm in Texas all the time, down on that border, and you have, you know, so-called Governor Abbott. He's really a World Economic Forum guy. He's on their website. His biography's on their website. You'll see Abbott saying, hey, we're closing the border. We're putting the rubber things in the Rio Grande and all this sort of stuff. And, uh, you know, we're shipping people to New York. We're shipping people to Washington, D.C. It's all kayfabe. It's all acting. Bottom line is the border stays open. You know, a lot of uh, conservatives will go, oh, great. They're sending, uh, they're sending people to New York. That'll teach them. I'm like, look, you're taking a needle and injecting the poison deeper into our heart. Close the border, right? Close the border. That's, it's the United States is doing this. It's clearly the United States is doing it to the United States. So could you tell us a little bit more about, let's start with the Venezuelans, then I want to go to some of the other nationalities. What type of people are they and, and what percentage are male? Uh, I would say, you know, that changes, actually. I would say at least 80 percent are male, though, at least. Uh, yeah, I would say a good and it depends on which group. So like Afghans, like 95 percent are male, if not more. Like yesterday or two days ago, we were in this camp, actually, three days ago, we were in this camp and um, talking with a bunch of Afghans who almost got into a big fight with Venezuelans right in front of us. I got it on video. You, know, you see these ethnic fights crop up a lot here. Uh, the, um, but some of the Afghan men, they just had some pretty young girls with them, very pretty young girls. And we're and Ann Vandersteel, who's here not far from me right now, she's looking at them. She's like, where are these pretty young girls with these men coming through. Yeah, and I'm like, well, I don't know. What do you think? You know, in light of what we're doing. We, well, you're we saying they're not the Afghani back. girls? They look like Afghan girls to me. Yeah, they look like they were, they look, you know, keep in mind, I spent two years in Afghanistan. And often when we're in the camps, uh, I walk right up to people and say, Afghan, you know what I mean? I've spent enough time in all these countries. Uh, keep in mind, for people that don't know who I am, I've spent two-thirds or three-quarters of my life outside of the United States. I'm American, grew up in the United States. I'm completely American, was in the U.S. Army, that sort of thing. And, uh, and then I've spent the last, you know, let's say three-quarters of my life has been, uh, of my entire life, but most of my adult life has been overseas in more than 90 countries, right? So a lot of these countries these people are from, I've been to those countries. I've spent years in some of those countries, like Nepal, spent a year in Nepal, spent a year in India, spent a year in China. 
you know, spend a, you know, I've been all two years in Afghanistan, two years in Iraq, you know what I'm saying? So when I see these people, I can spot them fairly quickly. And I can tell when they're talking nonsense as well. And but so these Afghan men, that's uh, very interesting. Why, why so many Afghans? I don't know, but there's a lot. So what strikes me the most, and again, folks, go to at Michael underscore Jan on Twitter. You can find all the video pictures. What strikes me about your coverage more than anything else is watching these pictures of tattooed up men that look very belligerent. They're giving the victory sign. What's that all about? Well, I mean, a lot of these are clear gangsters. I mean, for instance, you see uh, a lot of Venezuelans are obvious gangsters. They, they're proud of it. You know, they're, they're not even hiding it. You know, just, uh, and so um, uh, prisons got dumped out and that sort of thing. We're, we're watching the, the, the basically every favela, every, every ghetto in the world is being dumped out to the United States. I mean, a lot of these people are not even literate in, the, in their native languages. You know, these people have no function in the United States other than to replace Americans. I mean, this is a clear war invasion. The United States and Europe, I spend a lot of time in Europe. I go back and forth from here to Europe quite frequently, looking at Netherlands and Germany and these other places. This is a clear war. Uh, it's going to get incredibly kinetic. There's going to be a lot of death. You see the New Yorkers crying now. They haven't seen anything yet. They haven't seen anything yet. I'm telling you, these pathways are being developed bigger and bigger. I'm I'm always down looking at these uh, out, you know, uh, inputs, whether it's Colombia or Morocco or, you know, uh, you know, just Greece. I'm watching the inputs and, and uh, it's increasing. Meanwhile, you'll have the, you know, people like Governor Abbott. He's, he's a total enemy operative. Governor Abbott is an enemy operative. He comes up and he talks about, hey, we're going to do something now about this. But at the end of the day, the border stays open. Now, you'll have clowns say we can't close the border, but those are clowns. The border has been closed before. The border yep. here was closed. During COVID, during COVID, this border was closed, right? It, it's COVID, amazing, Michael. Nobody, nobody came through the door. Michael, yeah, it's amazing you mentioned that. I just before you uh -huh. came on made that point that I'll never forget when Greg Abbott put out state troopers to block people from Louisiana interstate travel because of COVID. And here you have all these public health. I mean, it's public everything security. And somehow we're saying we're powerless. So no, that that's definitely a big point. But what I'm concerned about what you're saying is that they've streamlined the conveyor belt. They've made it somewhat relatively safer, shorter. Um, are you telling me that when you look at these Venezuelans, what I'm hearing from you is you're not getting the vibes of some of those first generation Cubans that were fleeing communism, right? You're saying that these are a lot of prison dumps, um, a lot of gangsters, not so much your types that are going to come here and become like, you know, I don't know, Ted Cruz's father or something. Uh, I think what most of those guys are, are already, you know, what we're getting now. You can come and see it for yourself. You do not want your neighborhoods filled with the people that are coming in now. Trust me. I've, I've got hours and hours of videos just in the last few days. I come down here all the time, and and, and, uh, and it's going to be trouble. There's going to be straight up high levels of violence are coming. I and mean, keep in mind, people say they're fleeing violence. I'm like, the people that were doing the violence are the people who are fleeing to us to do violence in our places, right? Bottom line. Uh, you know, and, uh, you know, it's just, uh, it's over the top. And keep in mind, 
people from a good 140 countries come to Darien. Then you go to the southern border of the United States, it's about 160 countries. And um, sounds like somebody's chopping some wood there with their chainsaw. But the, uh, yeah, I mean, it's over the top. I, I mean, Michael, what's astounding about the numbers you're talking about is that they're in addition to anything north of that chokehold. So all the people that are still coming from the Central American Triangle and Mexico themselves, it's not like they're not coming either. Um, but these are really where you're getting the Venezuelans and then the Africans and, and, and elsewhere. What are some striking themes you're seeing just reading their hearts and minds when you interview them in terms of their motivations in the United States and, and their general thoughts about the United States? They know they're going to get money right off the boat. And keep in mind, most of these people have a slave mentality. I mean, when I talk, keep in mind, I want to say very clearly, I've spent probably three quarters of my life outside of the United States in more than 90 countries. I have been downrange a lot. I'm here downrange right now talking with you. Most of the people in the world, including many Americans and practically every British person and German, have slave mentalities. You know, uh, that's why, you know, you constantly have British, especially English and Germans. You know, uh, I speak German, by the way. I lived in Germany for four years and um, I lived in Europe for six years, two years in Poland. Too. Germans and English, whenever they know I'm American, within about 30 minutes, they're going to bring up guns. They always have to bring up guns. That's why when I sit down with Germans and English, a lot of times I'll like, hey, can I borrow your pen? And I'll write down a note that I'll put in my pocket. And, uh, and then within about 30 minutes or so, they'll bring up guns. Then I pull out my note in my pocket and I hand it to them and it says, open it up, read it, please. It says, you will ask me about guns. And they're shocked on their faces. I'm like, yeah. They're like, how did you know? And I'm like, because I'm with Germans and English all the time. And you can't resist asking Americans about guns and why we have guns. Because you are a slave. You think like a slave. You act like a slave. You are a slave. I'm not a slave. You're, you want our guns. The English have never, I, I always tell them, we don't have guns to fight Chinese. We have them to fight English and Germans, right? You know, most of the world thinks like a slave. Only a few people, and it's a core group of Americans, especially, uh, that don't think like slaves. Like, we're not slaves to the king or the government, right? And so most of these people coming in have slave mentality. They will do whatever puts food on the table. If you want them to take the backs, they'll take the backs. You want them to... You know, to, to do whatever, they'll, you want them to put white people into death camps, they'll just go right on ahead and do it. It's no problem. This is a replacement population. It's open. The World Economic Forum does not hide what they're doing. They're yep. crystal clear, right? And so that's what's happening. We're, I'm watching the people coming off these boats that are going to go up to the United States and be living in American homes within one or two years. They're going to start. They're doing this in the Netherlands. Keep in mind, I go around the world. I see this everywhere. For instance, when I'm in Myanmar and, uh, you know, out there, I see the same cookie cutter mouse traps and rat traps being set. Economic rat traps, right? Basically, you got China and the World Economic Forum and others uh, setting these rat traps. It's always the same. Uh, you know, the, the, the cheese is the same. You see, for instance, the Embra Indians, this is the Embra Indian village where they dump out here, the Las Blancas. Uh, the Embra Indians, many of them don't want the trees cut down. Many of them don't want these people coming through their jungle, but there are some percentage that just want the money. And so they wow. sell the trees. And so they sell the trees. They run the boats. They run, they run the, the, the uh, you know, the, they basically run the, the, their gears in the system, right? This is how, this is the same cheat. I see this in 
Myanmar. I've seen it in Thailand. I've seen it in, in Nepal. I've seen it all over the world. It's the same game. And when you look at the game that's being played in Panama, it's the same game that's being played in Texas. I see, you know, Governor Abbott's like, hey, we're going to do something about the border. It's the same down here. You got people saying, hey, we're going to do something about the border. Now, I'm down here. They're not, I'll tell you what they're doing about but, it. But they're I can't blame Panama. I mean, I'm just saying if the U.S. is going to want them to come in and they know that ultimately they're not the point of destination for them, they'll be like, hey, I mean, if you guys want them, you go get them. They're certainly not going to secure it greater than Texas and the and and the feds. So y- y- what you're warning uh, hold about. On, hold on with yeah. that. Hold on. Hold on with that. Hold on. Uh, one of the most prime piece of real estates in the world is right where I'm at right now. This is one of the key vital trains of the whole globe. Panama Canal is, is close to this, right? Yep. So you got this basically migration canal, which is Darien, coming up. If you can get your feet in South America, if you're already in South America, just go to Colombia and go through the Darien Gap, and you're in America one week later, right? If you're in Asia or China, if you're in, let's say, uh, China uh, or other parts of Asia, if you're in Africa, just get to anywhere in South America, and then you can get to Colombia, and then you get to the United States, right? Now, Panama is prime real. This is a pork chop. That canal and this Darien Gap and the location key between South America and North America. This is this is Belt and Road Initiative high ground right here, right? And so you've got uh, now think about what's happening here. The flow is dramatically increasing between South America and going through here right by me and going up. Now, the only thing that you have to do is close off Nicaragua or Costa Rica and boom, Panama fills up. Destabilize Panama, take Panama. Now you've got the canal, right? It's super simple. This is not deep multi multi-layer chest, right? It's quite simple actually. This is de- this is already destabilizing Panama. It's already causing Panama a lot of economic problems because many of these people don't just flow through. Especially a lot of Venezuelans are staying here, and the crime is increasing in Panama, right? And Panamanians are extremely upset. Uh, they'll tell you about it, right? Mm. But at the same, so a lot of Panamanians don't realize. That they are in Costa Rica too. Costa Rica may think that they're going to get out of this because this, that, and the other. It's like, no, I'm sorry. Costa Rica, guess what? You're on the menu too, as is El Salvador, Honduras, Guatemala, Belize, the whole works, right? And Mexico. None of these people are going to be spared. This is a, this is a, this is a global reset. There's no question about that. So how would you compare this or contrast it? to the European invasion, which is taking place at the same time. People are watching, you know, the African migrants come to Italy, set up roadblocks. Is this the same agenda, same type, or is it a little bit different? Uh, It's the same cookie cutter. Uh, They're a little bit more advanced, but not much, because our flows are, I mean, it's, it's clearly worse in Europe right now, but we're not far behind. Again, I spend a lot of time in Europe running around. Look what's happening in Italy right now. And then you'll have the prime minister of Italy coming out. Oh, we got to do something about the border. Okay, (laughs) nonsense. Then do something about it. Stop talking and do something. It's like, you know, there's a big fire burning down the neighborhood. And you're like, hey, soon we're going to call the fire department if this continues. You know, know, I mean, it's really that that silly. And you got Texans. Don't mess with Texas. I'm tired of that. I've made a lot of Texas enemies by saying this, right? I'm telling you, I spent a lot of time in Texas. I've been, you know, I'm going back and forth between here and Texas and Japan and Netherlands and looking at all these inputs all over the place, Morocco. And, and I go to Texas and I'm like, I'm tired of hearing don't mess with Texas. It's a bunch of bull, right? You got your cowboy hats on, you got your boots on, you're acting all cowboyish, but you're not closing the border, right? 
bottom line, is your border open, right? Why am I from Florida always in Texas? This is like the Alamo, right? Remember at the Alamo, it was a lot of people from like places like Tennessee, right? I mean, so Texas is being overwhelmed. Texas is being destroyed. You know, I took a couple of congressmen up with Ann Vandersteel in a helicopter, uh, um, uh, what, about a month ago now, I guess. It, actually, Daily Wire just did a big story about it. You might want to look that up. Daily Wire. It's a colonia north of Houston. There's this colonia being built. Yep. For at least two Colony Ridge. People. Sure. Colony Ridge. That's right. Daily Wire. I took the Daily Wire guys up. We took them on the border and all that sort of stuff. So we facilitated a lot of that Daily Wire. Speaking of facilitation, the reason I'm able to actually do this interview with you today from out here in the jungle is because this company, Sat123.com, gave me a Starlink. That's how I'm able to finally do this. In the past, I could never, I could never do this. So I would, yep. if you don't mind, shout out sat123.com. That's the reason I have a Starlink out here. That's unbelievable. So, you're middle yep. of nowhere. Um, yep. truly, truly unbelievable. But I want people to, as you're talking, and again, follow your photo essays on Twitter, those belligerent flows you see at the Darien Gap, Colony Ridge is just a glimpse of you know, the, the point of destination, how they do deposit in our cities, um, or sometimes even in rural areas like you see there. And uh, I want to get I want to get you to explain this quote. There's a quote that I saw in one of your photo essays I want you to elaborate on. You talked about savage predatory cultures arriving with the advantages of impulsive stupidity. What do you mean by that? Well, you know, again, some, you know, people... People who accuse me of being racist don't know me at all. Those who are close to me never say that. But I am a super culturist, right? I am <laughs> as culturist as it gets. And, uh, and, uh, and uh, people that call me a racist haven't seen my family, right? <laughs> so, um, uh, so, but the bottom line is, is, is uh, I'm a culturist. And some cultures, for instance, I was talking with Ann Vandersteel about this yesterday. Some are like the entire culture-wide, it's like a teenager, you know, the whole culture behaves like a teenager. They don't think beyond tomorrow. And they don't think beyond today, really. I mean, often when I show up at, you know, some tribal place and I need a boat, you know, and I told them the day before, then they have to go get gas in town for the boat, right? So, you know, so then I have to adjust for that. All right, we'll bring the gas. You know what I mean? It's, I see this all over the world. I see it in Nepal. I see it here. I see it so many places. It's like basically like a teenager level thought process or even, you know what I mean? And it's and never thinking like most of the Embra here cannot see what's actually happening. Embra Indians that I'm out with, I'm in, uh, surrounded by Embra now. They can't actually see what's happening, right? Uh, there are a few. There are a few that see it, and they and they. That's another thing. Every culture I go to, there are a few that clearly see it for some reason. It's funny when you read history books. There's always a few that see clearly what's happening, right? But then the masses don't see it. Like when, for instance, it's famines. If you read, you know, even five books on famines, you'll see there's always people that saw it coming. I've read a couple dozen books on famine now. And you'll, there, there's in every single historical, whether it's the Irish, you know, potato famine or the Holodomor or, you know, Mao's great famine. So many, there's so many famines out there. Uh, and there's always people that see it coming. Like Kenjiro and uh, any Japanese listening to this know what I'm talking about with Kenjiro. I was just in a couple of his museums a few months ago in Japan, studying famine in Japan. There's always some people that see it coming, and they take action, and they're fine, right? All, everybody listening to this, all of our families have been through a lot of war. All of our families have been through a lot of pandemic, and all of our families have been through a lot of famine. 
everybody listening to this is a descendant of people who survived those things, right? And we can all survive it, but I'm telling you, there is huge famine coming across the world. It's clearly coming, and it's, it's, a, it's a long flash to bang. I'm out here watching the migration flows. I'm also watching the food uh, inputs such as natural gas, which is important for the Haber-Bosch process to create ammonia, uh, nitrogenous fertilizers, right? Uh, the Haber-Bosch process was developed in Germany. Uh, it was first described in a thermodynamics book in 1903. And anyway, long story short, it started this in roughly 1914 in, in a BASF plant at Ludwigshafen, Germany. I went there twice last year researching the uh, nitrogenous fertilizer supply, global supply right now. And anyway, let's just skip to the bottom line. The sure. bottom line so, is we're clearly going into famines. And that creates I'll be quiet in just a second. It, it's the desperation that bothers me. What you're what you seem to be hinting at is millions of people that are desperate. Well, a lot of the people coming in here, let me see. I'll, I'll just publish some of the videos. Some of the people coming through and I don't even know how they survived the gap. They're straight up obese. I mean, there's obese people coming through. They're not desperate. You know, and you'll see on the American news, like people are short of food. And I'm like, not yet. <laughs> Not yet. In some places there are, but a lot of the, you should see some of the videos. I'll put them up. The videos. Oh, these getting off the boat. Invaders. Today, that's that's up. a new one. <laughs> I don't see how they even make it over the gap. I mean, it's a big mystery, actually. Uh, like I'll send you some of the videos. You'll see one guy. You know, I, uh, Michael, we're we're almost out of time. Two minutes here. Final question, because this is very important. What sort of NGOs are facilitating this? Oh. Long list. Uh, uh, well, the uh, Red Cross is, a, is, a, is one of the main Catholic charities, of course, is straight up evil. Uh, highest uh, Norwegian Refugee Council. Uh, good Lord. Uh, of course, UN, uh, IOM or OIM, depending on the language uh, that, you know, uh, and uh, IOM is their OIM, depending on the language. Those are the ones that were handing out the rape kits that I you know, showed to some congressmen who came down and actually some other congressmen might come down here with me soon. Uh, I want to say one thing. You see what's coming here. You're on the 1%. I mean, of the journalists out there in the world, I would say 1% or 2% even recognize that Darien Gap is serious. It's probably less than 1%. It's like an IQ test. You know what I mean? If you don't see how serious this is, you're not a serious journalist. This is deadly serious, right? Just like it's happening in Europe is deadly serious. You see it. But they have you know, built this conveyor belt that I think we've all seen in Europe for so many decades, and now they have that in North America, particularly America, obviously, is a destination. And and you're right. I mean, this really straddles a lot. We can never but scrape the surface with you. But thanks so much for taking the time. I know you're really busy, but the technology held up. So shout out to them, Sat1. Really good stuff. Um, where else could people find Sat1, your work? Sat123.com. Yeah. Uh, well, I publish every day on X now. It used to be Twitter, but I'm also, you know, do a lot of interviews and, and that sort of thing. Uh, but mostly I'm facilitating others. I'm force multiplying. Like now I've been giving Ann Vandersteel a big tour down here because she has a huge audience and she's very smart. So I want her to see all this so that she can force multiply. You know, I've taken Ben Burkwam and Oscar Blue and quite a lot. Anthony Rubin from muckraker.com. Anthony Rubin from Muckraker is somebody in particular you need to pay attention to. He would be a good guy to have on. He's really awesome. Uh, he's a young guy. I took him down here, and, and we went across the southern border together as well. He's a very serious guy. Anthony Rubin, muckraker.com. Well, we're going to check that out Um, you know, because th this is very helpful. We need to get this word out more. Well, Michael, as always, stay safe. 
Uh, keep us informed, and we'll have you back soon. Take care. So again, at Michael underscore Jan, if you want to follow him on Twitter. Uh, there's no nobody quite like him. <laughs> I mean, that guy is just all over the place, knows a million languages, lived everywhere, and everything he has said has come true. Um, I'll never forget when they said, oh, well, the border numbers went down. Remember, he talked about that. Now, they flew in a lot of people. They brought them to the land ports. But a lot of them, he was saying, look, I'm just seeing at the point, point of entry here in Panama – uh, they're all coming, and it's worse than it's ever been. 150 countries all over Africa, all over Middle East, the Venezuelan gangs, um, savage predatory cultures arriving with the advantages of impulsive stupidity. Very well said. Um, you can't survive this. You cannot survive this. Then again, we have five other existential threats we can't survive from our government. So the point is, this is why I believe I think this really is a good issue to lead a fight off off of. I know we have some intra-movement you know, squabbling now over the best strategy, but by the end of the week, we need to just unite behind whatever it is to draw a red line around something or a few things and then stand behind it. What we can't do is just fall apart and allow the rhinos to do what they want. Um, let me know your questions about the budget issue, this, other things, questions for Michael at Daniel Hurwitz at startmail.com. You could also, uh, if you haven't given us a five-star rating on iTunes, we really could use that to surge ahead of some of the empty calorie shows that won't criticize the Republicans, including certain prominent ones that are quite wayward on many issues like we'll talk about tomorrow. Till then, God bless you all. And thank you for listening. Wyndham Hotels and Resorts makes travel possible for all. Whether it's the long haulers looking for a great cup of coffee, a roomier rest for the on-a-wim road trippers, or a place to make summer memories with the whole family. No matter who you are, where you're going, or why, with 24 trusted brands to choose from like La Quinta, Days Inn, and Super 8, your Wyndham is waiting. Get the lowest price at WyndhamHotels.com. Restrictions apply. Visit website for more details.